I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining us by phone because of his very busy schedule is the General Director of Opera Delaware, Brendan Cook. Welcome, Brendan. Paul, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad you could join us. I know that you really swamped because you've got a few things coming up in the next few weeks, which is <laughs> what we want to talk about. Uh, but I thought first for our listeners, uh, Opera Delaware in the last few years has undergone some what I would call pretty significant transitions, sort of a shift in your programming approach. Uh, and I would love for you to sort of uh, tell our audience a little bit about that, because that really leads us, I think, to where you're going to be in the next few weeks with the upcoming festival. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a, um, a, a long answer, but I'll, I'll try to be brief. Uh, you know, regional opera as a whole uh, has has sort of struggled for the last decade, uh, you know, after the the Great Recession, I think a lot of opera companies were sort of left finding um, finding a way to have their own uh, their own viewpoint. A lot of companies got into this um, cycle where they were they were kind of doing less with less and being less ambitious with their programming, trying to be conservative and safe, and frankly at at their own peril. Um, as as arts organizations, I think we have a uh, a responsibility to swing for the fence a little bit artistically and, and to try to make great art. So we started asking ourselves here in, in, in Delaware, how can we how can we do that with a smaller population than some other areas, uh, but with the very unique geography that we have being so close to other major metropolitan areas, how do we do something that has, uh, you know, a very clear artistic viewpoint and that um, not only avoids lose our own audience to these other larger cities, but but how do we do something so compelling to get Philadelphia, to get Baltimore, to get Washington and New York to, to come here? And so what we've landed on is this festival model that's worked very well in other parts of the country where essentially we, we compress our artistic output into a, a two-weekend period, and we invite the world uh, to come here to, to Wilmington. So it's... Uh, it, it's quite something. I mean, we're we're the long and short of it is we're doing the two most ambitious pieces we've ever undertaken, and we're doing them at the same time. So, thanks for letting me call in today rather than coming <laughs> to see you. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the the festival itself, the sure. 2016 Opera Delaware Festival. You're you, as you mentioned, you're presenting two full uh, operas, Hamlet or I, Amaletto. I, is that correct? Did I say that right? Yes, we're calling it Hamlet, Hamlet? but you uh, but you said it right. Here, okay. it, it is Amleto in Italian, mm -hmm. and it's this is a kind of an East Coast premiere, I believe. It's I mean, it's it's raised huge buzz regionally and nationally. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I, you know, certainly Hamlet is the is the easier story to sell. I, I think as a as an opera producer, the fact that a regional opera company is undertaking Falstaff, which is one of the most difficult pieces in the in the repertory, you know, should should be the story itself. But certainly the the story surrounding the resurrection of this of this lost Hamlet uh, it has just caused a lot of uh, a lot of interest in the press. Essentially, it, it's written by a gentleman named Franco Faccio. Faccio was a contemporary of Giuseppe Verdi. Uh, he went on to become a very famous conductor. In fact, he, he conducted the premiere of Verdi's Otello, uh, conducted the premiere of the Italian premiere of, of, of Verdi's Aida, 
and um, was the first music director of La Scala in Milan. So he was he was no slouch. But as a as a young man, uh, he wrote a setting of Hamlet uh, with the libretto by Verdi's famous collaborator Arrigo Boito. Uh, so this was Boito's first libretto or screenplay, as we're liking to call it for uh, for the non-opera folks. Um, and then Falstaff is Boito's final libretto and his collaboration with. Uh, with Verdi, so we're calling the season kind of a Boito Palooza. <laughs> but, um, but the Hamlet, um, a very good friend of mine, our, our maestro for this event, Anthony Barese, found mention of this work uh, about 12 years ago. We happened to be working together in uh, New Hampshire and uh, found reference of it while doing some other research and started asking questions, thinking, hey, I didn't know there was another operatic setting of Hamlet. There's a rather famous uh, French setting by Ambroise Thomas. Um, but he said, I wonder what this sounds like. And he started doing some digging. And uh, he ended up getting his hands on microfilm that had a very faded um, manuscript of the original conductor's score and started doing lots of research about the piece, found some... some um, writing about the premiere in 1865 and then the uh, remounting at Milan uh, uh, at La Scala in 1871, which turned out to be a complete disaster because the lead tenor was sick and uh, the, the performances were just not well received. Uh, in, in fact, quite the opposite. And as a young man, this guy had very thin skin and, and tabled it. Uh, never, never to be heard of again until Maestro Bereze unearthed it. Uh, so he had this labor of love for 12 years reconstructing this work. And um, we were able to present a concert performance of it last year in Baltimore. And then the North American premiere of this piece written in 1865 was, was done in Albuquerque last year. And we have the East Coast premiere right here in, in Wilmington, um, not New York, not Boston, not D.C., uh, really unique opportunity to hear something that, uh, you know, fewer than 3,000 people on the planet have uh, have heard live. So it's a really, really interesting story for us. It's a really interesting opportunity for, for Wilmington to hear something very special and, and unique. Now, as, as an East Coast premiere, what has this done for you in terms of uh, visibility in the the media in the opera world. Sure, I, it's it's been extraordinary, frankly, and 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 I alluded to the fact that uh, from my perspective, Falstaff is the story, but it's uh, you know it's it's tough to sell to external press. You know why why should you come to Wilmington? You and I both know when you get here, uh, Wilmington has all of these extraordinary cultural assets, but when you're trying to reach out to uh, critics outside of the area they don't they don't know that yet so we we felt like we needed to have a story to tell um the fact that this setting of hamlet got such wonderful validation in international press from its albuquerque performances uh you know it certainly made it easier for us to um to get in touch with critics and, and you know people people are aware of the piece so um that, in our mind, is what's getting people to look at Opera Delaware. Falstaff is going to be what sends them away saying, oh, my goodness, we, uh, we have to come back. I mean, they're, they're two of the most extraordinary casts that, uh, that you could imagine. I just um, 
I sit in rehearsal and I chuckle to myself thinking, how, how did we convince all these folks to come here? I mean, it's a, it's a real amazing collection of talent and two very, very different stories to tell, but certainly the, the Da Vinci Code-esque uh, aspect of Hamlet and the reconstruction, it's, it's been such an easy story to tell. Um, and I should mention, it's not just a cool story. The, um, the work is pretty important. Uh, from a musicological perspective, but it's also an incredibly satisfying evening in the theater. It it really really works as a as an opera. So it's not uh, we're we're not just doing it um, just to be cute. It's a it's a work that's worthy of uh, of future performances and and one that I think we have great confidence in the fact that it it will become a, a part of the standard repertory and we'll we'll have our our own little uh, our own little foot footnote on the wikipedia page when that happens <laughs> <laughs> well that really answers a question that was kind of bouncing around in my head and that that was uh, does this opera hamlet uh uh did it disappear for a reason uh, you know uh in terms of you know what it has to offer uh and the other question was uh uh, does does the uh, re uh, the the rediscovery of this opera uh, does it inform uh, the uh, inform us about nineteenth century opera in yes. any new way? Yeah, it's it's really those are great great questions. I mean, I, I'm I'm convinced that it'll be in, in you, you know something that you see every couple of years. Uh, I think it will be produced by by much larger companies. I think that some of the excerpts will be uh, you know there's a fabulous tenor aria that the setting of the famous to be or not to be, which in Italian is essere o non essere, which we'll we'll get to in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But I think you're going to see those things, uh, you know, performed at auditions. I think they're going to be very. Um, these arias will be commonplace for for young singers to prepare for auditions. They're they're that good. Um, so in in terms of uh, the the window that it shows, sort of on on 1865 and this this compositional style. Um, there, there are some critics that even went here when they were um, hearing the the piano reading that we did in Baltimore or the the premiere in Albuquerque. Some went so far as to call this uh, the missing link between Verdi and the Verismo period. Um, you know, really touting it as an important discovery. And it's it's so interesting to be sitting in the room when you hear this music because you're you're listening to it and it's in a language that opera fans are familiar with you know a lot of it sounds like middle to late verdi and then suddenly it'll take these sharp left turns into this uh, almost verizo verismo landscape and you'll just say oh this is how this is how we got from verdi to puccini or or, or verdi to mascagni so it's um it's it's very very interesting to listen to. You feel like you should know this music already, yet you've never heard it, and it explains a lot of questions I think that have been challenging musicologists for for a lot of years. So, um, as a as a devoted opera fan myself, it's just it's thrilling to kind of make those discoveries yourself uh, while you're sitting in the theater. Well, this is really exciting. Uh, I want to continue, Brenda, but let's first remind our listeners that you are. Tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts. Our guest uh, joining us by phone today is Brendan Cook, the General Director of Opera Delaware. And we're talking about the upcoming 2016 Opera Delaware Festival, which is going to be held in Wilmington from May 
14 through 22nd. Is that correct? Do I have those dates right? Brendan? That is correct. Good. Uh, uh, really exciting presenting Hamlet, uh, East Coast premiere, and Falstaff, uh, a major undertaking for any opera company. Um, uh, with uh, performances, uh, where are they going to be held? Well, we're, we're delighted to say that we're going to be back at the Grand Opera House. Um, so we, we have the two main stage productions at the Grand Opera House, and it's uh, it's like playing Tetris, trying to figure out how to you know <laughs> tech both of these shows and, and change over between the productions. Uh, but the Grand staff has been... Uh, so so helpful to us and you know that really is our artistic home and we're just delighted to be able to be back there with with full orchestra and uh you know it's it's going to be opera in the truest uh truest sense of the word we also have a very exciting collaboration with our friends at the delaware shakespeare festival um they share some office space with us here down at our studio, and we're doing a really compelling program called Shakespeare in Song, where we're going to take some iconic um, Shakespearean texts and explore different ways that they're they're set to music. So we have some actors from the Shakespeare Festival and some singers from our festival that are really going to have a, a wonderful time exploring some of this uh, this incredible material. So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks, and uh, the world is coming. So we're uh, we're encouraging Wilmington to come as well. The um, the latest count is. Um, 453 people coming from outside a 30-mile radius of, of Wilmington. So we're we're very proud of that, but we've got a long way to go, and we've got uh, plenty of room for, for our Delawareans as well. That's great. And, and for our listeners to learn more, they can visit your website, which is www.operade.org. Um, you got a lot of information about the festival coming up. Brendan, I'd love to spend a few minutes talking about you. You alluded to it, the, you know, who's who's coming that you know of so far. Uh, but talk a little bit about uh, sort of how you've been promoting this. I, uh, we were talking off air about some uh, sidewalk signs that, that I, I, uh, I and a couple of my coworkers noticed walking through downtown Wilmington. Uh, t- talk a little bit about some of the innovative marketing you've been doing and uh, – uh, how this really has uh, succeeded in sure. what you were hoping, and that is to have a draw outside of the you know the immediate Wilmington area. Sure, I mean the the, the marketing plan falls into the uh, throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> That's a sort of school of thought. Uh, it's it's a lot like fishing, where you know if we if we caught a caught a fish on every cast, they'd call it catching and not fishing. So there you know there's some things that work and some some that don't. Uh, the, the the core of our strategy has been to focus on people who who already love opera, uh, and, and although we're all firmly devoted to developing new audiences, uh, we've acknowledge that that's, that's really hard work, and it's work that takes time, and frankly, we can't do that work fast enough to, to put the legs under this festival that we need. So we said, hey, let's, let's look at our geography and look at the fact that we're so close to all these cities with people that already love opera. So the, the core of our plan has been to reach those folks through other regional opera programs. Um, if you've gone to the opera in Baltimore or Philadelphia or D.C. or Annapolis this year, you you know about this. Uh, so we've been beating that drum pretty pretty steadily all year long uh, to great effect. I mean, we've been able to get some nice um, press as well. We were shocked and delighted to find ourselves on the cover of the Sunday 
Washington Post arts section a few months back where uh, the wonderful critic there, Anne Majette, called this one of her one of her top picks for the for the uh, spring arts season. So that was uh, that was something we certainly celebrated. Um, but uh, you know, locally, we realized uh, the last thing we want to do is give people the the perception that that we're not interested in a Wilmington audience. We absolutely are, and the reason that we're focusing externally is so that we can you know we really can bring in the resources. Uh, through through ticket sales to to make sure we have a, a very viable future. So we've been out every night uh, speaking to anybody who will listen um, about the program. But uh, we we had Maestro Bereze here a few months ago to give some lectures, and we were uh, we were walking down the street after after dinner, and we said to ourselves, you know, what can we do to sort of start some some more buzz? We have this really interesting story. And we we hatched the idea to do this um, street graffiti campaign where uh, we have temporary spray chalk that uh, after a few rainfalls will will go away. But we worked with the city to get get permission to have one of these campaigns that kind of has people walking around scratching their heads. So we have a caricature of uh, of Franco Faccio with uh, with the text underneath it that simply says essere. And again, that means to be. Uh, from the famous soliloquy, and and we've realized in doing this, it's it's not just about the piece, you know, it's about this opera company, and it's about really all um, nonprofit arts organizations answering that perpetual question of are we gonna are we gonna do this, or are we going to pretend that we're doing this? So it's it's kind of been a rallying cry for us as a company to say, yep, we're here, we're loud, uh, life begins at forte, as <laughs> as we like to say. <laughs> And uh, you know we're we're really swinging for the fence artistically, um, but it's it's raised some eyebrows on social media. It's asked, uh, you know caused some people to ask some questions, which is exactly what we want. Um, if you're within the city limits of Wilmington and you Google SRA, our our ad comes up at the very top. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's been uh, it's been very fun to sort of get people asking these questions. We've been stopped at stoplights because some of us have this spray painted on the back of our cars, and <laughs> people are people are talking, and it's uh, that's that's been really really fun to watch, and uh, it's been great for our team as the Hamlet cast has has gotten here. They they just giggle walking around the riverfront, and they and they see these little uh this street art that's really celebrating the work that that they're doing so um it's uh, it's it's been a great deal of fun but uh, in in summary we're we're throwing everything against the wall and talking to anybody who will listen <laughs> and and you mentioned you you are able to track to some degree uh where the uh ticket uh holders are coming from Sure. Yeah. So we're we're able to tell um, it, geographically. I mean, we're able to sure. tell obviously if they're coming outside the outside the area. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun couple of weeks. <laughs> now you, you mentioned that the festival you've really been targeting uh, opera lovers, uh, but part of the transition that Opera Delaware has gone through, which I we discussed early on in the the uh, interview, uh, is is. Uh, uh, approaching your programming in a totally different way. So this festival, while it's, you know, pretty condensed within a couple of weeks, it's not that you're not doing other things throughout the rest of the year, which is 
at some of those other activities. Uh, could you speak to those yeah. and, and, and how they're really designed in some ways to, to cultivate new opera lovers? Yeah, and, th- and thank you for going there, Paul. I mean, things are a little frenetic right now, and I'm sure. thinking uh, all, all <laughs> festival all the time. But uh, that's the other, the other thing that this sort of change in artistic output has done for us. I, I mentioned the hard work in developing new opera fans. Uh, you know, and, and it is hard work to get someone to try this for the first time, because a lot of people who don't have a frame of reference for opera, you and I know what they have in their minds when they think opera. They think, oh, it's fat ladies and horns. Uh, it's in a foreign language. I'm not going to understand it. And you and I know this is not true. Uh, and unfortunately, it's um, the media today, when they show opera, they show opera in caricature. They don't show it as the um, the pinnacle of Western culture that, that we know it to be. They they sort of make fun of it. So we have work to, to do to overcome some of those hurdles for people to give this a try the first time. And we've acknowledged that maybe trying to get them to come to the whole kit and caboodle for the first time is a that's, a, that's a tough sell. So the rest of the year, we're able to focus on these um, audience building initiatives on these, I, li- I like to call them the gateway drugs. Uh, so we, we do these um, casual nights at our studio where we present operatic highlights by, by top flight talent in a casual setting so that you can start to build a vocabulary for the sort of transformative power of the unamplified human voice. And I mean, if you stop and think about it, what what is shown on TV today uh, for for opera is its story over substance. You'll hear about the 12-year-old girl or, or the blind guy or this or that or other. You won't hear about the people who are true opera singers. The way that we did 30 or 40 years ago... We're you know, coming when, to our end of our time, oh, so wrap sorry. up. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So, but thank you for getting there. That it's uh, we're, we're not dormant the rest of the year. We're working really, really hard to uh, make sure that, uh, that opera has a future. Great. Well, I hate, hate to cut you off, Brendan, because this is really exciting. But thank you so much for joining us. I encourage our listeners to check out operade.org to look up the 2016 Opera Delaware Festival. Thanks again, Brendan. Paul, thanks so much for having me. Sure enough. Okay, bye-bye.